Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Sardana Osman, here with my friend, Chavuta and Gordon. Today, we begin a new Masachat, Moed Katan. It's the second to last Masachat in all of Seder Moed, and I think we're already going to start thinking about how we're going to celebrate that accomplishment when we finish Chagiga. Uh, just a couple of words of introduction to Moed Katan. Uh, Moed Katan basically deals with the halachot, the laws around uh the intermediary days, uh, you know, between, uh, let's say, the first day of Sukkot and the last day of Sukkot or Shemini Atzeret, the first day of Pesach and the last day of Pesach, and what we do or don't do during those days. And I'd like to think of this Masechet sort of on a continuum. You have Masechet Shabbat, which deals with the laws of Shabbat, Masechet Beitzah, which deals with the laws of the actual days of Chag, of the holidays themselves, that first day of Sukkot, Shemini Atzeret, Shavuot, first day of Pesach and last day of Pesach. And then you have Moed Katan, which deals with those intermediary days. So what we're going to be paying attention to is where are there exceptions or what is the permissibility of doing malacha, of doing work on those intermediary days? I think we're actually going to find it's a little stricter than maybe how some of us practice today. <laughs> um but uh, it'll be interesting nonetheless. Um, the first parak is really going to deal with sort of that concept of malacha and what malachas are allowed or not allowed. And I think, Anne, when you get to the first Mishnah, we'll see it's interesting that it sort of takes sort of a very ordinary sort of day-to-day situation of things that sort of people have to do to sort of just keep their fields, their work life up, which I think many of us find uh, that issue, you know, sort of after we have kept one or two days of yuntet that we sort of like, you know, get have to get back to the sort of our real world. Um, and so I appreciate that piece about the first Mishnah, but Anne, you'll get into that a little bit more. Um, the second parak also deals with malacha, but there's specifically the idea that if you don't do a particular malacha, uh, you're, there will be some type of financial loss incurred. And we'll talk about that more when we get to parak that. And finally, the last parak uh, sort of begins with... Um, some of the other halachot of things that we cannot do on halamoid, like cutting our hair, washing clothes. Um, but then it gets into uh, a bunch of halachot about abelud, about mourning and mourning practices. So um, again, I think this, you know, if we were to sort of learn, uh, it, it, we're learning it in order of how it appears in Mishnah. And one of the things that we know in all the Siddharim is, is that it's really sort of like the Longest masachet appears first and the shorter ones appear later. But I think, you know, sort of go back to and sort of connect it up to that there's Shabbat, Beitza, and then Moed Katan. And to think about these three together as sort of talking about the halachot of holy days and what do we do or during those special times. Um, okay, yes. I'm going to jump into the Mishnah. I want to note that, you know, if I think about Cholamoid, and I understand that this is a matter of like, let's put it into the modern perspective. But when we come to think about Cholamoid nowadays, right, the a lot of the discussion focuses on, you know, uh, how do we keep the holiday going, so to speak, during our regular lives? And what people nowadays may have as regular lives is, I think, often quite different um, for the bulk of the people I know anyway, as compared to what the mission is going to talk about. The mission is talking about irrigating a field. Right. And how that becomes critical both during the holiday itself, the intermediate days of the holidays, and then also on Shemitah, which is, of course, very um, relevant this year during a Shemitah year. But also, I would say 
not necessarily what I would have thought as the opening topic of the Masachet, that we're going to talk about Cholamoid, and let's start with irrigating a field. But I think that one of the reasons it becomes, you know, the first topic here is because of the agricultural society in which they lived. And the same way that, I don't know, if we were making the the modern version of this, and I'm not suggesting that we do that, we might think first about, I don't know, electricity and what do we consider malacha nowadays in terms of creative labors and so on. Um, I think that it is important to realize that, you know, as we've talked about many times, society was different. The priorities or the focus of the daily work was also substantially different. Here's the Mishnah. I just want to say one thing before that. Right. I think that was something we talked a lot about in Shabbat. Like your day to day was much more labor intensive than what it is today. Yes, yes, certainly. Mashkin beta shalchin b'moed uvashviit ben memayan sheyatzabetchila ben memayan shelo yatzabetchila. So we're talking here about irrigating a field, meaning it needs irrigation. You need to bring that water to the field for it to function as a field for it to things to grow, and the what's permitted here is doing so um, during chlamoid, right? That's b'moed. Moed here. We should, this is a general principle. Moed means cholamoid as compared to chag or yontif, I guess, which means um, exactly that, the days where malach is prohibited. And then also during a shemitah year, meaning there's many things that are, were prohibited from doing during a shemitah year, but you can still irrigate the field itself. And the Mishnah here states that you can do this whether it's coming from a, a ma'ayan of a spring, Right where the where the water only began to flow during that festival, like suddenly they discovered there's a new spring here and the water is flowing and that is just fine. You can use that spring even though it's brand new. Again, brand new, newly discovered. A spring is natural, um, or whether it's been something that is not a new thing at all, but the spring water has been flowing for some time, and that's also considered acceptable. Meaning we don't prohibit irrigation based on when the water um, is there, is, is there for our, our availability. And this is a distinction, meaning we can water, we can irrigate the field from a mayan, from a spring, but not from rainwater that was collected in a, in a cistern. We've talked about this, I think, back in the times of Erevin. We talked about cisterns a good deal then. Um, so, but so you can't water your field. You can't irrigate the field with water that's collected from the rain, and not from mimeha kilon. Now, kilon is a complicated um, mechanism, which is fundamentally used as a, I guess, to draw the bucket up from a well. And it's a whole. I've got a picture in my handy dandy Koran um, edition, which is exactly why I use this edition because it gives me these pictures, right? Um, to show that you know what it, it really is a a mechanism that will allow the bucket to go very deep into the into the well. Um, and so that it's like a lever to, to bring it all the way up. Now, these points, right, meaning that you can't use it from rainwater or from the from the kilon, um, I think, you know, it's going to beg a little more attention from us as we go forward. At least we got keep it in mind. Okay. The Ain Osin... Ugiot sounds like cookies, but it means you can't make a circular ditch around the base of a grapevine. Right? 
וחכמים אומרים, עושים את המה בתחילה ובשביעית. So what's the, what's the dispute here? Rebbe Lezer בן עזריה says, you cannot make a new water channel on Cholomoyed or Shviit during Shemitah. And the rest of the Chachamim, the majority opinion says, you can indeed make a new water channel during the Shemitah year, not on Cholomoyed. But what you can do on Cholomoyed, according to Chachamim, ומתקנין את המקוקלות במועד. And you can repair a, do- a damaged water channel during Cholomoyed. Meaning, again, all of this is to preserve the ability of the water uh, or to be able to water the fields. Okay, so again, all of this, so everything we've been talking about before now is what happens on your own property, right? But what about something that's a public, it's in the public domain, can you fix that stuff over Cholomoyed? And it will not surprise anybody to understand that the answer is yes, right? That you can repair a damaged uh, cistern, right, in the public domain, because everybody has access or needs access to that water, right? So you can take out the chotzitzinoto, you can clean it out. You can fix the roads, you can or the streets and the and the mikvahs, the ritual baths, right? And anything that is relevant, uh, anything that is relevant to the majority, right? To the needs of the many. And likewise, you can mark graves, which is perhaps a little bit macabre, but it also is a very important thing. People did die over over the holiday or over the Cholamoid. It's a very, it would be a very long time to go without marking the graves. And lastly, you can even... Um, go out to get, to take out kilayim. I mean, if you end up with, you're planting your field, right? And you discover that there's unwanted um, other sh- other plants kind of just beginning to shoot up from your, from your field, then that's where you're allowed to do that kind of, uh, it's not pruning because it's a field. I'm sure there's a proper word for how, what we call this weeding. I guess it's weeding um, to make sure that it's no longer, um, going to be in your field, you're allowed to do that as well on this time. It's a matter of malacha, it's a matter of shmita, and yet there's a certain measure that you're allowed to do to, I suppose, to prevent the kilayim from happening. Right? Kilayim is an isudor, right? A prohibition. Um, okay. Yardena, any comment on the Mishnah before I go on to the Gemara? Nope. I think you can. I mean, again, I think just the comment I made before, I was about to say you can go on. You know, I just think it's interesting how it, it deals with like a very um, it's not about cooking. It's not about sort of a day-to-day need. It's more about like your overall parnasa. Like I'm assuming many people were farmers. And so it's dealing with like a real practical issue. Like how many days could you really go without watering your field? You know, so maybe you could do one day of Yantif, but after that, you got to start thinking about it. Right, right. Okay, so the Gemara opens up with this discussion of what's the difference really between a spring that's newly formed or newly discovered and a spring that's already been around. And it's an interesting distinction, uh, which I would like to read inside and then we'll talk about it outside. A new spring is at risk of collapsing, meaning it's if it's just new water coming through the dirt in the ground, right, that, or meaning underground, then there's a risk of the walls of this collapsing in because it's not yet stabilized to be a place of running water. So 
that's why there's a discussion to say, you know, perhaps you could only really take the water from um, from a Mayan, from a well that's already been established, because otherwise, what's the risk? If you take the water and now the what happens if the walls fall in? Now you have a major repair job on Cholamoy, right? It has to, you know, presumably it has to be done for the sake of preserving that Mayan. And so the concern here is not just about watering the field. It's not just about the bringing the water to the actual plants, right? It's about what is the whole person's, what is the person's whole experience of the day of the moed, of the cholamoid, and how much intensive labor is part of the picture. So for on the one hand, yes, their their lives were more labor intensive than our, you know, cushy, you know, automat- automated lives today. But on the other hand, even then, there's like the baseline of, I don't know what you what presumably had to be done at every time, you know, every day, all the time. And then the extra work, which the goal is to avoid any of those extra type of ex- much more extensive labors on Cholamite because it's the holiday, which I think is, um, it's a real respect given to this time where, you know, it's so easy. Certainly nowadays, it's so easy to be cavalier about it. I think that this kind of fairly narrow distinction is put in place to make sure that we kind of protect the holiday, the intermediate days of the holiday, from falling to be too close to to a whole day, to a regular weekday. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think that's sort of the theme, uh, you know, that we're going to see throughout this Masachet. I know that often when we start learning the new Masachet, I always say, I want to sort of see like what the major themes are. But I think for this Masachet, they're pretty clear from the beginning, right? It's how do we protect these sort of intermediary days that Cholomoed still has a sense of being something different. I wonder if we're going to find more other themes that we don't even expect yet. That's my new question, my curiosity. I totally good and fair question. Um, I'm just going to make a couple of comments about Amud Bet. And what Amud Bet does is there's two sort of very interesting discussions there. Um, One is, is that when we talk about Uh, issues around uh, weeding and uh, watering, right? It wants to figure out what is the actual Isur, like what is the Malacha that you actually did um, on Shabbat to say that it was, uh, to say that it was Asur. And I thought this was interesting because, um, you know, it's not so clear. When we learned Masachat Shabbat, so it was very like, okay, here's the action. And what Av Malacha, remember we had these Av Malachas and the Toledas, right? Sort of the primary category of the Thurniwai Malachot of what was done in the Beit Hamid, in the building of the Mishkan, excuse me. And then you sort of had those Toleda, which I get, you know, the best definition that we use is a derivative. Um, and I found it puzzling or just a little bit surprising, I think, that here we sort of start off with uh, a discussion, you know, of exactly, uh, you know, right, weeding and watering, you know, uh, you know, Lizarim b'Shabbat. What, what are we gonna mishu my matrinim day, right? What is it that we would warn the person doing those things that they actually did? Because remember, there was a whole process that the, that a person would actually have to be warned, and they would be brought to Bezdin, you know, if they were actually going to be punished for, you know, be violating Shabbat in a public way. Um, and so, um, I don't know, I just found the question a little bit interesting and it's interesting that it appears in Moed Katan, 
and doesn't actually appear in Masach Shabbat. And so I think that also furthers, or I, I guess I'm bringing it as a proof that this is sort of like, uh, that's why it's part of a spectrum of Shabbat, Beitza, um, and Moed Katam. And so the Gemara basically presents a uh, machlok guess uh, between uh, Rabbah, who says it's, you know, under, um, that it's under Choresh, uh, 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 it's under plowing, um, and then Rav Yosef, uh, who's going to say it's Zorea, that it's under sewing, and then Abaye comes, and he's going to say, why can't you say that it's both of them? So they sort of go back and forth on that. But I, I just think the question itself is very interesting. I'm more interested in the question, a little bit less in the actual uh, answer. And then the only other thing I want to before we wrap up this um, uh, episode um, is then there's a discussion about key lion. They basically want to, re- re- you know, refer it back as one way to sort of figure this out of, is it Horej, is it Zorea, right? Is they, they get into this question of key lion. And so one of the things the Gemara says here is, Hainu de Asira is Ria the key lion, right? That Rabbi Yosef talks about that when it comes to uh, talking about key lion, which remember is planting two different species of plants in the same bed, which is something that you're not allowed to do. It's the actual uh, sowing that would be an issue. Um, and, you know, so he sort of wants to ask, you know, to Rabba, is it the plowing that would be the issue? And so they sort of use this thing with Kilayim as well. Um, but then they get into this interesting um, principle of Rabbi Akiva that has to do with the Kilayim, where Rabbi Akiva says, Rabbi Akiva Mir, that it's maintaining that is an issue. And so I think Rabbi Akiva brings out an interesting part about Kilayim that I just want us to think about. And I, I made, and you've always talked about that because we don't have, we know the first Seder of Mishnah is actually called Seder Zvarim, which is all the agricultural law. And there's no Talmud Bavli on it. So this is a great example where we're going to have a whole discussion about Kilayim would have appeared in the Gemara on Masach on Seder Zrayim. We don't have one, so we sort of find it embedded here, uh, you know, in a totally different Masachet. And the point that Rabbi Akiva makes here, and they bring a text proof, you know, is that it's not just about planting it, but it's just even about maintaining the actual field itself. It's like keeping that field and making sure that it continues to grow is also an issue with Kilayim. And so for me, at least, that was like an interesting point. When I think about kilayim of diverse kinds, as you know, is the English translation, I always think about it as just sort of the, you know, planting piece of it. Don't plant it. But Rabbi Akiva here brings up another issue, which is it's also about maintaining it. Like if you do things to the field to make that kilayim continue to grow, that's also a problem about kilayim. So I just want to point out that we get a little bit of good discussion here about, you know, uh, about agricultural law that we're totally missing in the Talmud Bavli, but there's a nice discussion here in Moed Katan. I think part of it is also is um, the fact that we're talking about Cholamoid and Shemitah in particular, right? I feel like you could wake any one of us up in the middle of the night and say, okay, can you plant? Do you have to worry about planting Kilayim? And the answer is like, no, of course you're not going to plant on Cholamoid and you're not going to plant during the Shemitah year. So we're not talking here about the, the risk of sowing the seeds of kilayim, right? The worry is now, what if you would maintain kilayim? Because those are the things that it makes sense to think that you would actually be allowed to do, at least in some measure, during Cholamoid and depending, you know, with some obviously pretty strong restriction during the year of Shemitah. 
So it makes sense to me that that's what the discussion is here in particular. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I totally see why it falls in here. Um, and I think that's an excellent point. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us reviews on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend e. Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hydra website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP and this new Masachan and our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, I'm going to interrupt you. I'm going to interrupt oh. you. And don't forget to come to our Seum of Masachan oh, Megillah. Yes. Right. We don't have our Seum yet. This is one of those rare occasions. So please join us for our Seum on January 16th, God willing. Good interruption. Thank you. Um, and with that, I will now say and go and learn. Thank you.